This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AmbaCast. This week, we are going to have a conversation about one of our international award winners for 2021, specifically the international award winner for the Customer Convenience Award, which is Idaho for their online services portal. And so to talk to us about their project and the award, I am pleased to welcome Alberto Gonzalez. Alberto is the administrator of the Idaho Division of Motor Vehicles. Alberto, welcome to your first appearance on our AmbaCast. Uh, thanks a lot, Ian. You know, I listen to these all the time, so I'm excited to be part of it. So oh. thanks for having us. You also have, um, you know, the distinguished honor of uh, being one of our early guests of our in-person recordings. You know, we started this year and a half ago, done a lot of them. Usually I'm in my basement. So it's nice to be in the room with someone. Yeah, that's really cool. It's, it's nice really- to be in the room with someone <laughs> <laughs> anywhere, right? So it's it's great exactly. that we're, we're back to this. So Albert, let, let's uh, let's talk about this project a, a little bit. Um, you, of course, won the award in 2021. Um, usually, a lot of the awards uh, it happens in that year. But was this portal? Did you really start and finish it in a year, or was this a longer project that that culminated in 21? Yeah, it's been an evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had. Uh, a lot of success with the last couple of years and what we've been able to do since we came off the mainframe. The minute you start to modernize your systems, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. And so it is an evolution. But just to give you perspective, we had 250,000 online transactions back in 2016. We're going to exceed 1.2 million transactions this year. So mm-hmm. the volume, it's Idaho. So if you're in California or Florida, sure. you're probably thinking small potatoes. No, but percentage no of overall is what Yes, matters, right? and that's what we're excited about. Yeah. Uh, for us to see Idahoans choosing to go online versus mailing in paper or walking into an office or waiting at an office, we believe this is a success. And the mm-hmm. fact that we've spiked so high over the last year is why we submitted the portal and the advance- advancements and the additional transactions we've made available or why we were excited to share this. And it's just been really exciting for us. So previous to the portal, where did you have any online transactions or was this Idaho's entry into online transactions? So sometimes I refer to the old portal as an electronic Dropbox because although the customer thought they were doing something that was fully automated, the truth is someone on the other side was still manually completing a transaction that was mm-hmm. done online. So to me, that's, that's an outdated form of for the customer, it's good. For your operations, it does not do a, a right. whole lot for you. Maybe it speeds up a transaction, but you're still having manual input. Truly automating something where you're able to validate who's doing it, validate the rules that apply to the credential, validate the money you need to collect, and just shoot that transaction to the system without a human touching it, that's the exciting mm-hmm. part of, of really, truly leveraging technology while giving the customer an improved experience with the DMV. And so this, the portal, uh, I think when I read about it, it mentioned your customer goes in, sets up their profile, and from there they can do all the different transactions. So it's not just simply you can go on and renew your license or get a registration, but you're actually you know, having a customer profile the way you might with 
Amazon or any other online commerce? Yeah, so there's actually two ways that you can do service with us. And we've now added even a third one. But you can set up an account. And a lot of people that do that, it's great because they can go in. They could see all the the products, as you may, that mm-hmm. are affiliated with them or the credentials that, that um, affect them. But we know a lot of people don't want to do that. Just mm-hmm. like when you check in for the airline, you can have your profile with the airline or you can sign right. in as a guest. So when we send out renewal notices, we now do, for instance, a QR code. A QR code will pull up the transaction we want you to do with very little PII, or no PII for you to see, but you'll see what credential you're about to renew. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't require an account. So we've done it both ways. You can set up an account and be able to view all of, we call it the dashboard, you can view all of your credentials or you can do transaction as a guest, meaning you don't have to right. do all that. So we're, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for consumers to do transactions with us online or on their phone. Are you seeing any trend in what your customer base is choosing to do in terms of doing it as a guest versus setting up that customer profile? I would say a high volume is as a guest. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you want people to build basically their account. Um, but the truth is it's... They just want to go in, do their thing, and get out. They just want it to be quick and easy. And yeah. so we support that. Uh, we support both approaches. Uh, eventually, we'd like to get to the point where the account is sort of, it's made easy to access that information without mm-hmm. putting them through the process. But it's, it's come a long way. So we feel it's, it's the right approach to have both of the options. But we're starting to see that the as a guest, if you may, is yeah. the preferred, it's the preferred option. And it's all the transactions that are available, drivers, services, vehicle services, it's all there for them. That's right, and as a matter of fact, we're now moving uh, in the direction for this following year where every letter that goes out, we want it to have that same sort of QR mentality where there's a QR code there. Don't call us, don't mail anything in, just open this QR code, here's what we want you to do. Mm -hmm. Would you like to do that now? It goes right into the system and you're done. I mean, that's exactly, it's easy for them. And of course, it translates to it's easy for us and it saves a lot of work on the, yeah. on the backside for us. And in, in terms of the internal process of the project, did you build it all internally? Did you work with uh, an industry partner? How did you get it done? So it's a bit of a hybrid. So we did work with NIC. It's mm-hmm. called Access Idaho in, in our state. And they've been partners with us in building this out. In fact, uh, when we built the driver's license renewal uh of a couple of years ago, we did that like in a month and the, we were able to partner with them really well with that particular uh, partner. The QR code and some of the stuff we're doing right now, we're doing in-house, but we're mm-hmm. still also working with NIC. So that, that's a hybrid approach on these things. Yeah. And I assume the online payment is integrated into all of that as well. Yes. That's the neat part here is that, you know, in both cases, you're going to have a similar uh, payment processing experience, whether it's the QR code that we built in-house or a couple of the functions that we built in-house, or if you're going through our partner, uh, Access Idaho or NIC. Mm. As you've seen the uh, volume go up and more people are using it, safe to assume you're seeing the uh, benefits at your in-person operations that you're not seeing as many people going into offices, you're seeing wait times go down, or is it correlating at all? So if you would have asked me that question last October when we went live, the answer is I'll let you know later. (laughs) But fast forward to now, we are now seeing uh, much faster transactions with the modernized system, but we're also seeing that the the people in the brick and mortar can focus on the walk-in traffic. Mm -hmm. Let 
some of these automated processes occur without human touch. Let's provide some capacity to those areas. And so we're, the benefit is there, but believe it or not, Idaho's either number one or number two is in terms of the fastest growing state in the country. Hmm. So the demand continues to come. So we're just trying to uh, redirect as much traffic as we can away from those offices mm. and and give the customers a much better DMV experience because ultimately that's that's our goal. I think we go into work every day trying to find ways to to make that DMV experience much different for Idahoans. It's a, it's really interesting that you mentioned in terms of fast growing. You know, with the increase in population, um, that's an interesting challenge in that a lot of those folks, if you're moving to Idaho a lot of those first transactions maybe don't qualify to be online. So you're seeing this surge in population of people who have to do it in person. That's exactly right. In fact, you know, if I always say if someone has to go in, let's make that in-person experience the best possible experience. Sure. But if we can do this online, we need to make it available in a variety of other ways other than the in-person visit. As a matter of fact, during the pandemic, because of some closures, People were buying cars, as you saw, that never slowed down. Mm -hmm. So registering or titling a vehicle became difficult. So we made it possible for people to start doing that online, which was in the past, there was a belief that they should not be able to do that online. We need to see the paperwork and we need to do this and that. No, we just made it possible online and we were pretty excited about that functionality and we continue to build on that. So the initial reaction was we can't let people do this because... Obviously, it's the way we've always done it, but it was also this idea of, well, we don't trust the documents unless we can touch it and feel it and smell it. How did you get through that cultural shift of saying, no, there is a way to securely do this online? I think for the past four years, we've been without offending the people that have been there a long time, because that's usually where it happens, right? Hey, we've always done it this way. Don't tell us we've been doing it wrong, but you're saying, no, let's look at it with with a different lens and see what's possible. And so even when you break down a problem like a new car purchased at a dealer, you can trust that there's a, there's a, a dealer, a bill of sale, that there's mm-hmm. a title application or whatever it is. We, those are high trust options, right? So what can we do usually is how we lead with the question. And a lot of times you end up with very little obstacles that you need to deal with. So for the most part, you start asking the question differently without offending those that have been there a long mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. It breaks down the conversation a little bit better. It opens up their minds a little bit more. Now, a lot of the conversation in the community, as everyone's going to more online transactions and portals, obviously it's a it's a big big focus that's happening right now. We are seeing though where there isn't high trust and low risk. We're seeing the shifts in fraud right, to different online fraud, digital fraud that's maybe becoming more prevalent as transactions are more happening more online. Are, is that something you're seeing or tackling as you get more people into the portal? Are your eyes also open to, okay, well, now there's also different liabilities for fraud? Um, it's funny because fraud was probably the number one concern for those that advocated for it has to be done in person. Yeah. So then you start asking, well, what can we do to combat the fraud? What are some of those steps that we can take? So you start building that into the online transaction and you take advantage of, there's a lot of verification services out there. So you're trying to verify the individual with the transaction. Mm-hmm. You're trying to validate that documents are real. So you take advantage of any possible validation that's available to you. And where there's a concern about a document or about a person, then you create sort of cues or exceptions to the online process to address those things. But 
Um, we've had high success. We have been watching to make sure that, you know, we're not seeing a spike in, in fraudulent behavior. Um, and I'm excited about the online stuff, but the other piece, too, that's linked to modernizing your systems and doing those things. And it really is working with the third-party providers because that's all. It's sort of an online transaction, right? You're allowing someone using their systems to do transactions with a customer at the point of service, so where they're buying a car or where they're going to, to traffic school or uh, driving school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it's it's the overall experience we need to think about differently. It's led by the online transactions, but we need to be open to continue to ask yourself, where other than the DMV can this transaction take place? Mm -hmm. Online's always going to win, but what other options are out there as yeah. well? So sometimes, you know, from some jurisdictions that have moved online, it's those third-party providers that have also pushed back because their business models have been built around doing those transactions on behalf of the state. And now they, in some perspectives, they, they're not as needed. I could just go onto the portal and do it. Did you have uh, any of those challenges as part of your rollout? I think we haven't seen that sort of reaction just yet with the online because we've had a tremendous growth in online transactions, but the growth of people coming in has sort of masked the mm. amount of work that we've taken away. But I think once that sort of settles, it will be very clear that there's not that much need for the total number of employees, the truth is, some of this work, or you redirect staff to something else. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, a lot of these transactions will be done in an, in an automated fashion or through an alternate provider. And I think you're going to start to see state or county staff, that particular model, start to shrink while customers are seeking a better experience for their credentialing or their transactions through either online, mobile, or an alternate location. Yeah. And I always think it's where you're doing business. If, mm -hmm. you're, like if you're in school, you should be able to do it there. If you're at a dealer, you should be able to do it there. It just makes a lot of sense for the consumer. Are there any transactions you haven't put in the portal yet that you would like to going forward that you guys are talking about? Yes, I think the biggest one that we're trying to figure out, and again, the question or the concern there is fraud. Mm -hmm. But I think even our partners in Arizona are cracking this code on this one, and that's the private uh, party sales. Mm -hmm. You know, when you start, when you're able to establish good identity and good uh, document validation, even if the only thing someone has to do on the back end is do a quick review and uh, potentially not release a title until the original is received, um, that's probably the next challenging online transaction that we would like to do. Um, once we put that on there, now that you can buy a, if you buy a car at a dealer, you can do that online now. Or in a few months, you'll be able to do it directly at the dealer. If you do the private party sales, which is another one of those has to be in person, then I think you're really going to, then you will start to see the shrinking of the in-person walk-in mm -hmm. uh, traffic volumes going. So in terms of the project management itself, you've won the award. We're talking about how successful it was. But what were some of the lessons learned that is, as others might be thinking of standing up a similar portal, working with NIC or any other partner, um, some lessons learned, you know, that if, if someone had told you these three things when you started the project would have saved you some heartache. Yeah, I think, like, with any tech project, clear requirements. You know, you have to start thinking about what's the dream. The dream is I want driver's licenses to be able to get renewed. And you got to be really clear because technologists will make it work however you want it to. But if the business isn't clear about the requirement or what you're asking them to do, mm -hmm. then it's really in the requirement where 
where there's a lesson learned. If, you, if you're not clear, they're going to build it how you tell them. And if you're not clear about how, the, how to build it, then it's going, it's going to fail. But I think if there's a lesson learned, find every possible way to secure the transaction. Make sure it's the person doing the transaction. Find every possible method that you have, whether it's you know, so, uh, social, facial recognition, some other form of validation. I think security's got to be number one when you do these things. But also, don't assume that everyone's going to be excited about building an account. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to do that. And I realize that even flying here, um, where we're at now, that I, I registered as a guest. I did not want to build an account. Um, so I'm just as guilty as a lot of our citizens in Idaho. So. Yeah. There's a little bit of uh, online account fatigue, right? Because you've got to have an account everywhere with everybody. They've all got your name and your address and you're this and you're that. And it's like, if I could just do it and be done... Maybe that's easier. Yeah, I agreed. I think with cutting the cord and having all these streaming services, oh. and when the kids are calling for passwords, I think it's the same thing. People are yes. building accounts. What are my passwords? What am I? It's too much. A lot of folks are like, just make it easy for me, and I won't go in person. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really at the end of the day, talk about figure out what is that dream, what is the the goal line. Really, it's all about if this person doesn't have to come into the office, can I keep them out of the office? That is it. it. I guess it's the dream is even a little bit more broad because everyone will always tell you there's people who will never go online. They don't trust online yeah. or there's people that don't want to mail stuff in. <laughs> there's just no trust at all. There's sure. full no trust in anything. You have to have various channels of service, but you have to make it easy. So I think if you just think about making the experience at the DMV the easiest possible, they will eventually, you will change the behaviors of your citizens to go with the easiest, easiest for them, easiest mm -hmm. for you, meaning your agency. Because when you're not making the online experience different or, or better, or you're not making accessibility to a phone call easy, then they're gonna go where they feel comfortable in person to talk to somebody and get that thing done. So the various channels will be there, but make the ones that you know are going to make the experience better easy and I think you're going to see drastic improvements in the use of those channels. So is there anything else about the project itself? I want, I want to ask you a little about you and your background but before I do that anything else about the project we hadn't talked about that you're particularly proud of that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, well I'm proud of I'm proud of the creativity that our staff has yeah. um, and that it starts with a business person saying meaning somebody in the unit saying hey we should make this available the transaction should be available to consumer and to be able to have the the communication between a business person and a technology person and the relationship that we have in in this particular case for this award with access idaho mm -hmm. because they are partners at this table and nic played a role here and so i think it's the relationships are important allowing people to communicate these ideas and being open to them. And honestly, the majority of the ideas we have are coming from our staff. It's not like we have an idea department. <laughs> staff have this, and they're really innovative at ITD. And so uh, I would say the partnerships and the communication are what I'm most proud of, because having that trust of people to raise up an idea and for technologists to listen to it and to have the partners there to build it, Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. That's great. Now, you've been... The administrator now for five years? Uh, four and a half. Four and a half. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, you were already working in the state of Idaho at the time, and you were transitioning agencies, if I remember correctly. That's right. So I used to manage uh, the Medicaid program for the Division of Health and Welfare, 
And then I was also, I set up the health insurance exchange, which by the way, is sort of a model that we should think about. I don't think we're quite ready there, but there are no offices for our health insurance exchange, which mm -hmm. is what, the one I set up right before I came over to the transportation department. That one is all online. You know, it's, it's interesting because you can go get assistance from an agent or from a clinic to help you do this, but 80, 90% of those things went through self-service portal for people to get insurance. And I thought, man, that's something, isn't it? Because we didn't have to build, open up a bunch of buildings, hire a bunch of staff. It was really a structure for the business, but pretty high tech. Yeah. And uh, you're able to see the plans, get recommendations, see the pricing, enroll you and your family. And I thought, man, that's, you know, setting up that project, both the technology and the business and the policies was where I was before I transitioned over to this agency. And is that your, your background? And, you know, more generally speaking, do you come from a background of large IT project management? Or you just kind of tell us the Alberto story, how you landed there. So, I think technology has always been by accident something I've been involved with. Um, as, as early as the 90s, back in California, where I worked for a large tele, uh, telecommunications company, the first modernization program I was in was in the 90s. And <laughs> we moved from an old cobalt system into yeah. what looked a little bit more modern. It's certainly not what's out there today, but the change management for the business processes, the technology was, I was involved in that in the 90s. Uh, when I moved to Idaho 14 years later, um, it became uh, health and family and uh, children's services, Medicaid uh, reform or uh, welfare reform and some of those changes, we built a brand new system there as well mm -hmm. that it doesn't happen overnight. It's an evolution to several years to modernize a major system like that. Yeah. And then doing the health insurance exchange was mostly an operational policy job that I had, but I end up just, technology just is tied at the hip. And I think nowadays, technology will always be part of people's careers. Sure. Uh, but early on, I think it was by accident. I'm managing a large organization or a large group of people. And one of the needs that we have is to improve the technology that we use to do that work. So it's just kind of been... Yeah. Yeah, it used to be kind of these separate silos of you're an IT person or you're a program business person. But now it kind of gets back to what you were saying about making it easiest for people to engage. It's almost impossible in... 2021, 2022, to think about any program or business without understanding what's the technology to deliver it. Yeah, I think characteristic in the past were around, can you develop people? Can you manage your budgets? Can you manage performance? Um, but the skill set now that leaders need is an understanding of how technology works, how a project is effective, how to leverage technology to improve business practices and find ways to... Um, streamline processes, find the leanest possible way to do something, I think, for government is always challenging because you don't have the budgets or the people. So to me, technology and government go hand in hand. And if you can leverage that, you'll make your program pretty successful. Well, Alberto, thanks for spending some time with us today to talk about the award and tell us a little bit about your background. Um, you know, you're now um, a member of the Region 4 board. You are a member of the AMVA board of directors. So we get to, to see you in, in lots of different places these days. Yeah, our participation with AMVA, and we sometimes uh, joke that we've drank the AMVA Kool-Aid for the last five <laughs> years, but we're, we're definitely committed. We got members that are involved in different work groups. Yeah. Um, and we just love hearing what we get from AMBA, but trying to contribute to AMBA as well. So we're, we'll see you around at the conferences or on work groups or committees. So I, I appreciate you allowing us to tell our story. Absolutely.
Well, thanks to all of you to listening to us this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. And until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.